3: FM Talk Podcast. Theodore Roosevelt, 1912. The great fundamental issue now
1: before our people can be stated briefly. It is, are the American people fit to govern themselves, to rule themselves, to control themselves? I believe they are. I believe that the majority of the plain people of the United States will, day in and day out, make fewer mistakes in governing themselves than any smaller class or body of men, no matter what their training, will make in trying to govern them. I believe, again, that the American people are, as a whole, capable of self-control and of learning by their mistakes.
4: Yeah, that's right. We're starting the show with Teddy Roosevelt this week because it is the July 4th special of Wiggins America, and we've got some good stuff prepared. A lot of history, which I love and wish I could do more of because history is, man, it uh, the great equalizer. You learn so much about where we're at today from looking back. Just, for instance, in that quote, I don't know what stood out to you. The first thing that stood out to me was, oh, I didn't even know they had audio recording when Teddy, Teddy Roosevelt was president. That had to be one of the first audio recordings that we still have that's decent. I mean, you can make out what he's saying. It's not great, but it's still pretty good for 1912. But the thing that stood out to me, what he was talking about, is the battle for self-governance and getting government out of the way. Now, I just went to Mount Rushmore. So it's the reason I've got lots of quotes from George Washington, Thomas Jefferson, Teddy Roosevelt, and Abraham Lincoln. I got some of the Gettysburg Address I think I'll play this morning. And lots of other stuff too that's not necessarily just presidential quotes, but the history stuff is what really stands out to me, that we keep repeating the same issues over and over. Now we're in a completely different time now, of course. This looks nothing like it did in the early 1900s. You're always going through different things. Who would have ever thought that we'd be going through a war- over tech control you know i 20 years ago you couldn't have said well the internet will become a problem because everybody uses just a few sites and those sites are censoring people because at the time you know in 2002 you would have said well the internet's wide open unless the government is only censoring the, you know which sites can exist why wouldn't you just use another site we didn't know that the business climate would be such that only a couple of big social media – we didn't even know what that was yet – social media sites would be able to control what people see because that's the only place where people are. So people like me have said, well, let's go somewhere else. And I do. But if nobody else goes, then it really doesn't matter. And so that, and so, what should government do now? Should they censor because uh, they're acting as a publisher? That's the Section 203 debate. Or should they be hands-off and let people go migrate somewhere else or let somebody come in and buy one of those sites, which is happening? That's the debate that we're in right now. And it always feels like we're in the midst of the biggest thing that's happening. Roe versus Wade, for instance. Is that the biggest thing that's happened in American history? No. Is it big? Yes. But I think one of the things that these quotes from historical figures will bring, and some of them just... Quotes from pop culture past. You know, I've got some cartoon stuff, old patriotic cartoon things that I can't wait to play that are very fun that maybe you'll remember from watching them when you were a kid. I do. It makes you realize everything always feels like the biggest deal. So when you see these reactions happening, which we're we're having all over the country right now, you know, violence, you're seeing people react, throwing blood and spray paint on historical monuments because they think, and they say, our democracy is at stake So the best thing I can do to save democracy is to go spray paint the Washington Monument or whatever. Like It makes no sense. But that's kind of my point is that we don't live in context. We live in the now. So in light of that, we're doing clips from American history, sometimes the distant past, sometimes the recent past. This one's a little more recent. It's from the 60s, maybe even early 70s. This is John Wayne reading a poem about America.
1: You ask me why I love her? Well, give me time. I'll explain. Have you seen a Kansas sunset or an Arizona rain? Have you drifted on a bayou down Louisiana way? Have you watched the cold fog drifting over San Francisco Bay? Have you heard a Bob White calling in the Carolina Pines? Or heard the bellow of a diesel in the Appalachia Mines? the call of the Niagara you when you hear waters roar you look with awe and wonder at a Massachusetts shore where men who braved a hard new world first stepped on Plymouth's rock do you think of them when you stroll along a New York City dock have you seen a snowflake drifting in the Rockies way up high have you seen the sun come blazing down from the Bright Nevada sky? You hail to the Columbia as you the sea? Are you headed Gettysburg, our struggle to be free? Have you seen the mighty Tetons who watched an eagle soar? Have you seen the Mississippi roll along Missouri's shore? Have you felt a chill at Michigan when on a winter's day her waters rage along the shore in thunderous display? Does the word aloha make you warm? Do you stare in disbelief when you see the surf come roaring in at Guayamea Reef? From Alaska's gold to the Everglades, from the Rio Grande Domain, my heart cries out, my pulse runs fast, the mind of her domain. You ask me why I love her? I have a million reasons why. My beautiful America, beneath God's wide, wide sky.
3: Bradford here I have set out on a mission with my good friends at FanDuel to prove what I have known for some time baseball isn't boring now I have a daily podcast to prove it with some of the most notable people in the baseball world screaming baseball isn't boring from the mountaintops or at least agreeing to come on our show players managers GMs and yes even the commissioner of baseball Rob Manfred. It has been a constant wave of baseball's most powerful voices. So join the revolution, subscribe, and soak in. Baseball isn't boring. Listen on your Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcast. You'll be glad you did.
0: Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces. Pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries, so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum ten dollars per order. Additional terms apply.
4: Well, consider this just a recap of the Supreme Court decisions over the last two weeks. It's been monumental. And it has ranged from gun laws to election laws to school choice to abortion. So they were not afraid in this session of taking on the big topics. And I like to see it, especially when the decisions are going away. I think they should. Of course I do. Uh, but real quick, just a rundown. We're talking about the New York gun law. The Supreme Court essentially said that New York had gone too far in requiring people to prove to New York that they were capable of. To carry a firearm and they were trustworthy they said basically the exact opposite should be true that the state should have to prove to them why they can't that's that's the gist of it okay so real quick run through here maine law that they were saying that students who were receiving vouchers from the state because see there's a lot of rural schools in maine and if you don't have a high school they would give you a voucher and you could use that money toward whatever high school you wanted and I think it may have applied to even outside of high schools, but I know that high schools was uh, probably the person who was in the lawsuit was was talking about that. And Maine said, no, you can't go to a Christian school, though. You can't go to a religious school, essentially. And the Supreme Court said, no, that's not true. You can't discriminate against a school because of its religion. If you're going to issue vouchers, they can take those vouchers wherever they want. That is huge for school choice across the nation, outside of Maine, outside of rural areas, that is going to be used in states very soon, like Arizona for instance. The governor there is kind of a wishy-washy Republican but he has signaled support for a bill that has already passed the Arizona Senate to fund the the old phrase here, fund students instead of systems. So you are talking about basically a voucher system where the money instead of going directly to the school and the district goes to the kid or the parent and the, the kid and the parent get to decide where they go to school. If that gets past the governor that will be i think the biggest law and man is that fast change i thought we were going to see this take place over the next several years we're already seeing it happen in arizona and that will be a laboratory to see what it's like i'm sure they're looking at other places in the country like maine like vermont oddly there are places that have already done this that aren't necessarily conservative places just because of practicality and how has it worked there And how will it work on a bigger scale in a place like Arizona? We will see. We will watch that closely. Expect a lot of laws in the wake of that Supreme Court decision. Another one, Roe versus Wade. You ever heard about that one? (laughs) We'll skip that one. I think you probably have heard a little bit about that one. Uh, But then you also have uh, North Carolina voter ID law that really didn't address the law itself. It just uh, addressed who could be in the lawsuit The North Carolina legislature, which is Republican, wanted to represent themselves in the lawsuit and be a part of the voters who were were issuing the lawsuit. And the North Carolina court said you couldn't. The Supreme Court said you could. So that's a win for the legislature in that case. And you would think that helps their case a little bit more in making sure that they can't. It's all about just using voter ID. Isn't that weird? This is something that the vast majority of Americans approve of and want to see happen. And yet the Democrats in North Carolina and pretty much everywhere else are trying to stop voter ID from being used. Why? Well, they think it's going to hurt them. I won't get into it. You already know why, you know why they don't want voter ID. You know why? So here's the argument. Oh, one more, what I want. There's a couple more, but there's one more that I really wanted to highlight. The coach praying in Alabama, um, The school fired him, said you can't pray on the field, and he was not forcing anybody else to pray with him. He was just doing a Tim Tebow there at the half line before the game. Other students would join him if they wanted to. The school said, no, you can't do that, and they fired him. Supreme Court says you can't do that. That was religious discrimination as well. So pretty much nothing went poorly. (laughs) Um, Here's the argument that's happened since then, though, regarding Roe versus Wade. Lots of people on the left have said, look, they're overturning precedent. They're going to overturn precedent on everything now that they don't like, basically becoming policymakers. I would advocate strongly against that because that's not the role of the court. But the only cases that they're actually talking about are things like Obergefell, the gay marriage case. And the reason for that is that... um, they think that there is no constitutional right to gay marriage. Well, the conservative justices, you you would assume that the conservative justices do. Here's the problem. Um, Nobody's really given you the actual facts on this. So let me give you the the real facts on why this is being discussed. First of all, uh, Clarence Thomas did say that those are in his crosshairs. So let's not be naive when they make the argument that Clarence Thomas is saying that. He is saying that. He's going all the way and saying, we have created constitutional rights for a lot of things. He cites some other things too, but gay marriage is the big one that we should not have created constitutional rights to. Now, the left also gets this wrong. Now, now the right has said, no, they're not going to do that. However, Thomas actually did say that. Now, the left, though, is taking that and saying, oh, it's all over. This is what they're going to do. Here's the problem. They're also not correct. Kavanaugh and even Samuel Alito have said they're not going to take those cases up because those are different types of cases. And I I mean, you're talking about you don't get much more conservative than Samuel Alito, unless I guess you're Clarence Thomas. But Kavanaugh said this week, I'm, I'm quoting from the New York Times here in his 12 page concurrence. In the Roe decision, he said he wanted to address, quote, how this decision will affect other precedents involving issues such as contraception and marriage. He then listed four cases dealing with those issues, including the 2015 ruling establishing a right to same-sex marriage. Quote, overruling Roe does not mean the overruling of those precedents, and it does not threaten or cast doubt on those precedents, Kavanaugh explained. Now, the New York Times just cited Kavanaugh, and they failed to cite the fact that Alito said, not the exact same thing, but in sentiment, a similar thing. So don't expect those to be up soon. And here's the other thing, is that those cases, uh, those, those don't even have cases. The Supreme Court just can't decide to take up legislation. They have to have something brought to them, and then they all have to agree, or at least a majority of them have to agree, to take that case. Right now, there is nothing working its way through the court system for that they could even take that case, first of all. And second, they've already announced a whole bunch of things that they're going to take up in future sessions, and none of it has anything to do with that. You want to know what they're going to do? They're going to take on affirmative action. So they're looking at that being something that may actually go away in America, affirmative action. They may consider that to be uh, discriminatory at this point, that affirmative action is actually, you hesitate to use the term, but reverse discrimination against people of races who are not among the sort of protected class. Um, don't know. That's just one that they're going to take up. And two more. One of them is dealing with, well, this one business regulation. This one's not, I hesitate to say this one's a big one, but it has to do with water. And you know how that's a big, the Flint water stuff. That's kind of a big talking point on the left. That one will probably make some waves. No pun intended with water, but election laws, the court's already agreed to hear a case about whether Alabama can draw a congressional map that packs many black voters into a single congressional district effectively diluting their political power that's illegal you can't do that the voting rights act of 1964 says you can't do that both parties though will use that not to protect any racial group but just to protect their power duh we all know that they do that about 27 percent of Alabama's residents are black and the state has seven house districts. the court may also decide to hear a case that could limit the ability of state courts to review how state legislatures draw districts and otherwise oversee elections. So that to me is the interesting part of this one. We got to get to a break here because old Roy's waiting in the wings. He's frothing at the mouth waiting to get in here and talk about some stuff here on the old July 4th special of Wiggins America. But that one is interesting because the courts have intervened in a lot of these cases and kind of superseded what the state legislatures have wanted to do, both in Republican and Democrat states. So this is a bipartisan thing. If the Supreme Court says the courts below them are overstepping their bounds, that could have a pretty big impact on the way lines are drawn in the future. It won't for the next 10 years because the lines are drawn for now, but it could beyond that. And that's fairly significant. All right, let's take a break and we'll be right back to talk about which of these are the most important and Let's look at one of those patriotic cartoons. I got some really cool stuff for this special here. So stick around to wiggins America. Unreal to be in studio with the one and only, the big lug. Old Roy. Hey. He's back for the July 4th special. Yes. You've missed a couple weeks because you've been busy opening a well, trying to open a business. You're not mm-hmm. quite there yet, but. Getting Good close. for you. Yeah. Good for you in the midst of this economic environment, being one who's willing to take a chance and go for it. Well, I'm either a complete idiot or a genius, one yeah. or the other. It's clearly the first. Yes. Um, because I think even if you are a successful businessman, everybody would agree that guy is an idiot. <laughs> 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 so uh, uh, personal stuff aside, you have you've been so busy, you haven't been paying attention to the news. Not really. Man, this last couple of weeks, the Supreme Court, You, I, I asked you before we started here, uh, have you seen, and you're like, well, I've seen Roe. You've yeah. missed all the rest of it. Yes. And I am going to be talking about that for the rest of the show, so you're just going to have to listen. Okay. Uh, we'll fill you in on all the rest of that stuff. But I wanted to ask you just because this is the July 4th Wiggins America special. You're one of the cast members. Growing up, how much have you seen? I'm, I'm running a lot of... Uh, Different like vignettes throughout this whole show, and then my music for fireworks special, and all this stuff. So uh-huh. I have a lot of little like pieces that I'm running. And I think it's a lot of fun. Um, and one of those I want to play for you here in a minute. But it's about growing up, and it's actually this cart. It's a cartoon. It's a Porky Pig cartoon. <laughs> <laughs> it may not seem like it fits the whole motif of the special. I know it seems right. Okay, thank you. Yeah, um, but it's from 1939, so it predates both of us. Probably put together. Mm-hmm. And it's amazing to see how much times have changed and how much, even in our lifetimes, and you're like way older than me. Oh, yeah. But even in my lifetime, growing up in the 80s, there was a lot of patriotism. Mm-hmm. And then in the 90s, it was there, but it was uncool. It was right. like when I was in high school, it was like, eh, you, nobody like really likes America, but nobody it's, it's okay you yeah. know like it's like we, we can't acknowledge it but america's a good place yeah um and that really shift i saw that shift throughout the 90s i look at even pop culture stuff now for the simpsons for instance speaking of cartoons mm-hmm. and early simpsons would have episodes that would you know they'd, they'd question things but then they come back to ah, that's a good place to be you know right and but by even the late 90s that that narrative had changed a lot under bill clinton and I don't know exactly why that happened at that point, but what have you seen over your incredibly long life? <laughs> <clears throat> Subtle, like and 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 am um, I? You know, I, I've got a more limited view because I, I'm not as old as you. I'm not even trying to make <laughs> jokes at this point. I'm just making them. Um, that did you see that happen the same way that I did in the '90s, or is this something that you're like, nah? I mean, you got to have a little bit broader perspective here, Ryan.
0: No, I saw it. I think um, you're you're right. I agree. the 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 '80s were, you know, super patriotic because of for conservatives because of Reagan. Mm-hmm. Um, but it was everybody though. I, ironically, with Springsteen. Mm-hmm. You know, he, he, it was kind of a tongue in cheek patriotism mm-hmm. He's born in the USA, but it, everybody took it like, yeah, you know, patriotic. So it was, it was a, a good time, let's say, um, to be an American. But the, the 90s, I don't know what caused it. It did go sour. Um, the, I, I remember the early '90s, with the Iraq War and, and mm-hmm. no blood for oil, and and it it really kind of seemed to be that was sort of the the beginnings of this this era of people sort of I think liberal people, for lack of a better term, sort of nostalgically looking back at the '60s and
4: '70s and wanting to their turn. Well, you know, I thought even. So I worked at UPN for quite a while, the TV station, which does, is not even a network anymore. We would run reruns of a show called A Different World. Do you mm-hmm. remember that? Mm-hmm. I remember the theme song real well. But the, the, A Different World was only on for like two or three years maybe. And it was mainly like about a black college or at least a, a black cast at a college. I don't yeah. remember if it was a black college or not. Um, so obviously that was a UPN show. It was a very African American centered station, mm-hmm. and so they were running reruns. And this is in the early two thousands. I remember watching a rerun of A Different World on my own station, and they were talking about the Iraq War, like you're saying. And they had the liberal protesters because they were at a college. Mm-hmm. They had liberal protesters, but the main characters who you identified with pretty much walked past them made a joke about them and dismissed them yeah and i was like that's incredible because by the late 90s people protesting the war were the main characters and people didn't make fun of them and then by the by the time you got bush in office obviously like the narrative was you will be against war or else you are not part of the mainstream right and to me that 10 year difference was such a dramatic shift. I, I, it's a weird quoting a different world, like people, you know, like, oh, yeah, I remember that. What a cultural milestone that was. But that, to me, was a, a big... It, I remember being alive and being like, yeah, everybody's, you know, not for the war, but everybody's kind of in this together to win the Operation Desert Storm. Yeah, And then once it switched to the, the Iraq war by the early 2000s, the exact opposite was true so i i'm glad to hear that it's not just my perception that you were kind of seeing the same thing cuz yeah I, I yeah yeah it was there was a,
0: a definite shift there from early 90s like you said where it was it was still kind of outliers mhm um you know sort of the, the hippie wannabes yeah yeah um right you know Protesting and everything, but you're right. By, I guess, by the time that the 2000s came along, a lot of things had happened politically. Um, yeah, noth- you had a nothing, president impeached. Yeah, nothing like what's happened in the last you know five years. No. but but you had a, a a significant negative reaction on this the conservative side to. The Clintons, mm-hmm. because primarily because of their history, nobody talked about it at the time, but it didn't have as much to do with him being president as it did everything that they had done in Arkansas to get to power, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. and and so so there was this this uh, reaction to Clinton being in office that. Was, it seemed To me, it se- in hindsight, it seems like it was a, a bit of an overreaction given the kinds of things that <clears throat> presidents and politicians have been doing no,
4: for I, decades. I get what you're saying. At the time, it didn't feel like it because it was so scandalous. Yeah. But now you're like, well, scandals every day. Yeah. I mean, every day is scandalous now. And I don't know that that's a good thing. I mean, it's just comparatively speaking, you're like, Oh, gosh, that? Yeah. Well, <laughs> that. And, I,
0: and I think a lot of people, center-right, uh, center-left, independence, kind of saw that and was like, is this really where you want to, you know, the yeah. hill you want to die on? And then there was a backlash, I not, not an extreme one, but I think a lot of moderate and independent people against conservatism because All right, you went a little too far and then we had the election with the hanging chads and all of a sudden now we are split everybody talks about the division I think I think you can legitimately trace it back to the end
4: of the Clinton era and the beginning of the Bush I don't disagree with you I just think that I think that all those things are still downstream from the cultural shifts that were happening the, mm-hmm. the political shifts mirrored what was happening in both the, the sort of this. I always say, uh, and I mean, it's a common phrase that politics is downstream from culture, which I think is very true. But I always add to that that culture is downstream from morality slash spirituality. Mm. And I think there was a big shift in all of those things in the 90s that not that those things didn't exist, but they became a little bit more acceptable. And a majority would say well, I'm no longer part of this morality, or I'm. Not, it's the Judeo-Christian ethic thing that it was like that's no longer who we are. And I think that happened in the 90s. Well, but don't you think even that sort of flopped in a weird way because it was Tipper Gore, I do, who was yeah who was talking against you know Twisted Sister and some yeah. of the music. Well, that's the change of the Democrat Party. I mean that that used to be a part of their platform. Yeah, was a level of morality even if it wasn't exactly what you'd agree with. I mean, Democrats used to be the work man's party. Mm -hmm. That is so far from where they're at right now. I mean, there's still kind of like hanging vestiges of what that used to be hanging around with like union leadership. Mm -hmm. But that's it. I mean, the average person is has seen through the facade now. and It's like, okay, that's different. Let me get to. (laughs) <laughs> sharp turn here into Porky Pig. Okay. But, uh, I went to Mount Rushmore uh, not too long ago. Uh-huh. And I think what stirred all this up in me leading into July 4th is that walking down the presidential, the, the, the hall of flags or whatever they call it up to Mount Rushmore. There's so much there that it's and there's little movies and there's little things all over the place. It's, it's unabashedly patriotic. Mm. It is not, What I realized is, and some of this is just because it's a little bit old, like the movies were made 10 years ago, you know, some of that, but they don't really apologize for being Americans. Yeah. And no matter where you go now, it's like you have to first phrase, Hey, I know Americans aren't perfect. I know we're, and then just go through the laundry list of issues that are, well, here's the bad things that happened. There just was none of that. They just, and it's not as if it didn't exist, it's just saying, why don't we focus on the good? Mm-hmm. Instead of always focusing on the bad. And that's where I got this little Porky Pig cartoon. This is from 1939. If you watched cartoons growing up, you'll probably remember it. And that's kind of what I'm banking on. Because if you don't, you'll be like, what the heck am I listening to for two <laughs> minutes? But here you go. See if you remember this. It's Wiggins America.
2: I, 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 I pledge allegiance to the flag of the United States of America and to the stake uh, Oh, gosh. I uh, don't see why I have to l- learn the old uh, Pledge of Allegiance anyhow. You don't know why you should learn the Pledge of Allegiance to the flag? Come on over here, and I'll show you. Porky, we Americans haven't always been as fortunate as we are today. Now, here is the United States of America, as we know it, the land of the free. The land of the free. Do you know what that means, Porky? (laughs) I thought so. I'm afraid there are a lot of us who don't appreciate our freedom. But these people did. They came to this great unknown country in search of freedom.
1: I know not what course others
2: may take. But as for me, give me... Washington signed that document, he laid the foundation for our great democracy. Gee, that's wonderful. Then what happened? Then, Porky, began a vast movement to the West. But the incredible hardships, the magnificent sacrifices of these gallant pioneers might have been in vain had it not been for a great American. That we here highly resolve that these dead shall not have died in vain. That this nation under God shall have a new birth of freedom and that government of the people, by the people, and for the people shall not perish from the earth. allegiance to the flag of the United States of America and to the republic for which it stands, one nation indivisible with liberty and justice for
3: all.
4: So as we look at a little bit of history today, I've got a list of actually the best presidential jokes of all time. Up until Reagan. I chose not to make it contemporary just because I thought, eh, we'll, we'll, we'll keep it light, okay? But I, I feel like I need to explain something first. Last week on Wiggins America, I suggested something that may have been taken the wrong way. So I have to retract a bit of information. What I said was, I didn't know whether you had to get the vaccine, if you got the vaccine, if you had to get it in your arm, or if you could get it in your butt, like a lot of shots, you can get a lot of shots wherever you want, thigh, butt, whatever. So I suggested that you go to CVS and ask them to give it to you in the butt. Now, what I should have said was, go to CVS and ask if you can get the vaccine in your butt. Not just that they could give it to you in the butt. And that's my fault. And I, I feel bad about that because I know how many people probably took that literally. Now, for my part, this is a little bit of my own defense, I did say do that in the drive-thru so that if they look at you funny, you can just leave as fast as possible. So if anybody got in trouble for that, I do want to deeply apologize that I didn't make that clear, but hopefully you took the whole advice, didn't go inside the store before asking them to do that, and you took off before they would have done anything. So just a little bit of editorial there before we get into the presidential
0: jokes.
4: (laughs) Start with James Madison, who said, On his deathbed, I always talk better lying down. Also, John Tyler on his deathbed. Doctor, I'm going. Perhaps it is best. (laughs) The jokes back then weren't great. I'm, I'm digging through a lot. <laughs> apparently, you got to wait till you're on your deathbed to make a, even a passable joke. By the way, I'm going to start using the word perhaps more often because it makes you sound really smart. And I want that to be on my deathbed, something using the word perhaps. I want my deathbed quote to be, perhaps it is best if I die now. Because that would pass as a great joke in the early 1800s, apparently. Millard Fillmore. I have not the advantage of a classical education, and no man should, in my judgment, accept a degree he cannot read. (laughs) I thought that one was actually pretty clever. Abraham Lincoln, he had a ton. He had a lot of great jokes. It's weird to have such a funny guy in such a contentious period of time. Uh, He says, if I were two-faced, would I be wearing this one? You may have heard that one, actually. Andrew Johnson, Washington, D.C. is 12 square miles bordered by reality. Washington, D.C. is 12 square miles bordered by reality. Benjamin Harrison. When I hear a Democrat boasting himself on the age of his party, I feel like reminding him that there are other organized evils in the world older than the Democrat Party. Herbert Hoover. Blessed are the young, for they shall inherit the national debt. Harry Truman. Now he's talking about Adelaide Stevenson here. Quote. He's no better than a regular sissy. (laughs) Good old Missourian Harry Truman. Lyndon Johnson on Ford. So dumb he can't fart and chew gum at the same time. (laughs) I I mean, mean, it's not an incredible joke, but the fact that we had a president who used the word fart in a quote, I had to use that. Now, maybe more recent presidents have used the word fart all the time. I had to find one, and it was Lyndon Johnson, apparently talking about Gerald Ford. (laughs) Richard Nixon. Uh, This is in Miss Magazine in 1971 when he was asked about women's lib movement. Let me make one thing perfectly clear. I wouldn't want to wake up next to a lady pipe fitter. (laughs) George H.W. Bush. People say I'm indecisive, but I don't know about that. (laughs) And just to be clear, that was an intentional joke. It wasn't accidental. Because I think George W. Bush had quite a few unintentional jokes like that. Last one, Ronald Reagan, to protesters at UCLA. Make love, not war. By the looks of you, you don't look like you could do much of either. (laughs) Bravo. Bravo. Thank you for playing. Thank you for being here for the July 4th special of Wiggins America. This is not the end. We've got another full hour ahead. You get Stick around.
3: Into trouble and you don't try- get more at 971talk.com.